Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. gentlemen welcome back to the roger report episode 23 yes damien is missing in action he's got the sniffles poor lad uh, probably having a bath and a couple of other little bits and bobs to try and get himself uh, right for next week i'm joined this week by walshy how are you mate i'm good mate how are you i'm good thank you gav how are you pal uh could be better another defeat but i'm getting used to it so same yeah. old same old <laughs> carl yep. how are you pal I'm good, mate. Yeah, good. How are you? Not too shabby. James, how are you, mate? Been better, let's be honest. I think we all have. Been better. <laughs> I think that's kind of <laughs> going to sum up the life of a man. Anyway, general thoughts from yesterday's game. Um, an away defeat to Everton. Lost 2-0. Um, any positives at all to take away from the game? Jim, we're going to start with you, mate. Any positives at all to take away from the game? I, I don't think so. Uh, well... Jordan Pickford's back. Um, maybe that that's probably where it ends, if I'm honest. I thought it was... There was a few players on the pitch who were just utterly appalling, Seb Larson being one. Uh, I thought Fabio Verini, I'm just sick of him at the moment. Um, he just he seemed to be in a bit of a strop. He doesn't track very well. Um, Seb Larson was absolutely abysmal. I just don't think... It offers, he offers absolutely nothing... Other than that, I actually think we were just outclassed by a really, really good Everton side. I mean, they're in good form. Um, they look a, just a class act. And Lukaku, I mean, for their second goal, he's just just an absolute beast. Um, I think Oviedo's, he didn't have the best of games, but like, it's just, Lukaku's just an absolute beast. I, I, we probably did well just to, could, just to keep it at two, if I'm honest. It's interesting because I agree in a way, but uh, Gav, I want to know what you think. Surely, given Everton sixty percent of the ball, regardless if it's home or away, if it's um, if it's your day or it's not your day, if your tactics aren't spot on, surely, given a team sixty percent of possession in the Premier League's unforgivable, isn't it, Gav? No, it, it, it's not good enough. Um, to be honest with you, I think when when it comes down to the nitty gritty and which teams are going to stay up, uh, we we. We just don't do enough against the teams who are expected to beat us. Like, if I make any sense, what I mean by that is, obviously nobody expected Sunderland to, to take something from the game. A point would have been a great result, but what you do have to do is just give that a little bit extra. You've got to match them all over the pitch. You've got to match them in the battle. And I'm not saying that there was a lack of effort because I do think the try, 
I just don't think it's enough. There's nobody imparting themselves. There's nobody marauding around the pitch trying to jade the, the players up. You know, yeah. I mean, if 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 sold out away followings and and forty thousand you know fans in home games isn't enough to inspire a player or a group of players to to give a little bit more when when the chips are down. We're bottom of the league. Remember, we're, we're not we're not mid table where we're going to afford to have. Yeah. A run of games where where we aren't able to pick points up. We we actually really do start need, need to start winning games. My next game's against Manchester City, so getting something out of the Everton game was paramount. Um, and if if we if we were going to lose, it had to be a at least an inspiring performance, which gave us some hope that there was going to be something different offered down the line. I just think that. We're not seeing. Obviously, the Palace game seems like more and more of a fluke, doesn't it? Really, and yeah. I think I think that this result in particular, um, it really does cast a shadow. I, I don't feel confident at all about our chances because we have to turn up at least. We have to give our all. We have to battle. We have to at least give the opposition something to think about. Like you know, Everton aren't aren't going to be you know rolled over. They're a brilliant team. They have far better players than what we've got. But at least show that you want, you know, you want to win. Or you at least give give that little extra, which is going to push the team further. Because I know Defoe hit the bar, but regardless of that chance, I don't think we we did a great deal. And for me, that's not enough when you're bottom of the league. You have to be, you have to be more than that. You have to do more than that. You, you know, we just like like was like Jim said before. Barini is just awful, and I don't think he he's enjoying himself. And you know. It must. It, it, what, what on earth is he doing on the pitch? You know what I mean. He's, he just doesn't. He just doesn't look interested. He's not. He's not. Um, he's. He's not involved. It's not the same Fabio Barini that we saw towards the end of last season, who looked pretty pissed off from being left out of the team and, and showed Sam Aldice why he need to be playing more games with that, with that goal that he got against Palace and when he ran across to the manager and was like, "Look, that's what I offer you." Mm-hmm. It's a different guy altogether. He just doesn't want to be here. And then I've kind of been questioning what I actually want out of a Sunderland player since the result because I've always said that all I want to see from a Sunderland player is 100% effort. That's all we ask. And yet, Seb Larson puts 100% in every week and I still cannot stand watching the guy play for us. I agree. I I feel... Yeah, and it's kind of making us... It's kind of making us, I I guess, re-figure out what what I want from these players because... Mm Uh, at the minute, that's not enough. It's yeah. not enough, and, and the results are starting to reflect that because there's three, four, five players there who give their all every week, and they're just they're painfully not good enough. Yeah, um, I really want to know what Walshy thinks about this. I mean, Gav kind of hinted on the topic, and in fact, I've been watching Premier League Passions again recently, uh, and that coupled with the NBCSN documentary, the the unity is strength, and all that going on. Walshy, do you reckon there's there's something we need to achieve with the squad that's greater than just running around like a, a bunch of headless chickens. Is that effort, or is there something else that we need to find? Um, I want to be a bit positive, Ooh. since everyone's put the doom and gloom on everything. Um, I expect us to get beat, and when you were saying about 60% possession, possession doesn't really mean anything. As I was watching the Southampton Man United game, and Gary Neville was going on at length, where he kept he kept mentioning moments in games. It's like you can get battered all game, but you just need moments in games. And yesterday, yesterday had Defoe's chance gone in, we'd all be sitting back, twenty percent possession or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But we got a one-one draw. And this, I understand what you mean, like running around like those chickens. 
this this thing of like effort and all that. It's just not a case of effort. We put the we put the effort. It's Seb Larson puts the effort in. He's just it's just rubbish. That's the that's the difference. It's like Everton put the effort in, but it makes it they're just better than us. Yeah. It's not a case you can you can run around all you like and you can be committed. You can thump the badge or whatever, but you're rubbish. Dean Whitehead thumped the badge and all that, and Liam Lawrence did. Like Gary Breen thumped the badge and he's but the rubbish. <laughs> it's it's just a, there's a major difference between yeah. us. And a team like Everton, they're just much better. You, you saw that the lad um, Davis they've got in midfield. Mm-hmm. He's about he's about fourteen. <laughs> well, he looks like he looks like he's been backpacking around Australia. All, but he's just he's just, he's just much better. Yeah. He's, and you put him up against Seb Larson, thirty-two, whatever how old he is, bags of experience, been in the Premier League for donkey's years, and this lad's eighteen. He's already streets ahead of him. I know. And it's not just because he runs around. It's because he knows how to play a game of football. He doesn't just play his aimless passes. Doesn't he looks up? Yeah. He sees where the players are. It's the same when he's put um, coupled with Barkley. There was um, there was a second half, and um, Barkley was going forward. The Everton fans again a bit frustrated with him because mm-hmm. he sl- he slowed the game down. But he they just played this beautiful ball to Lukaku and Pickford had to make a very good save, and it's. They want him. They want him to run around like an headless chicken, colliding into tackles and all that. But he's just better footballer. He's a better footballer than Seb Larson. It, they're just better footballers. And I'm not. Yeah, they get, yeah, the result was disappointing, but it wasn't like. Did anyone actually think we were going to roll Everton over or get anything out of it? That's I true. didn't. It's interesting because I think you're totally right. Like Tom Davis was absolutely superb yesterday. That ball, the the crossfield ball. Um, for the for the first goal was absolutely superb. And when you're coming up with this idea of, of him and Ross Barkley, who it's worth mentioning at this point, they're both Everton trainees who've gone through the academy and have ended up as this really exciting midfield duo. I have a question for Callum. We've got a couple of uh, Twitter questions, and it'll be interesting to see how Callum's unique brand of pessimistic optimism comes in on this uh, one of the questions was from Danny D called Echo3030 he said why was Larson not subbed off which is an interesting question and then Phil SAFC73 uh, says how shite does Larson have to be for Gooch or Honeyman to come back in Callum explain um, I think obviously there's a few you know, there's a few injuries in central midfield Um Catamole and Kirchhoff have been out for a while, and we obviously miss them a lot. Um, I, you know, I, as far as I'm aware, I mean, Larson is a is a, a reputably a, a technical player. Um, Gibson, I've heard, is a is a technical player, um, and Dong is is a tidy player. I mean, we said it when he first joined how decent his passing completion was compared to the rest of the team. <clears throat> the possession thing, you know, Everton obviously a better team than us, but. We should be able to keep the ball better than we did, particularly in the first half. I mean, the, I'm not I'm not arguing that we should have been able to completely overall a midfield of Gway, Davies, and uh, and Schneidlin. I mean, that is an expensively assembled and incredibly, uh, you know, strong midfield that can win the ball back very well. But we didn't help ourselves, and that's been a constant theme mm-hmm. uh, throughout the season. I don't think our personnel is significantly worse. Than, than someone like uh, West Brom or, you know, like, like especially in defence as well. I mean, 
the, if you look at the personnel, I, I, I don't think our team looks that bad. I mean, Yanazai, Barini, both players who've been at big clubs, you know, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're, again, not... Then this isn't a, an inexpensively assembled squad of, of pretenders. You know, these are uh, reputable Premier League players and, and professional footballers. So I think we haven't helped ourselves in, in that sense. And I, I think we can't just sort of say Everton are better than us because there's a lot of teams that are better than Burnley and Burnley have found a way to beat them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think our game plan was was particularly... Good. I think maybe a three-five-two could have been better because they've got attacking fullbacks, but they don't. They don't have a lot of width in attack because they weren't playing Morales, or you know, um, and obviously De La Feo's gone out on loan. So in attack, I think they just had Barkley and that young Lookman kid. And they, so, so three. In, you know, kind of the way we played against Tottenham. The, they have they have a narrow attack, but attacking fullbacks. And I think maybe a three-five-two could have been better. Um, Larson, you know, he's just passed it. There's no other way to. To, to say it, his legs look like they've gone. Um, I think I think someone like Gooch couldn't do any worse. Honeyman's a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think he's got that kind of bite and tenacity that Gooch maybe has. Um, that that maybe because Gooch obviously has a technical side as well. So I think someone like Gooch should be really knocking on the door at least to get a look in. It is to this midfield. It really is because the other week on Twitter. David Priest and I don't know if it was Darren Holloway or Darren Williams were basically saying, "Look, it's now's the time to give the young lads a chance. We're, we're scraping around at the bottom, you, and you're quite right, Carl. They are reputable players. I mean, Larson's been with us what five, six years, um, and then we talk about Yanazai Barini, the the pedigree that came with them. So is now the chance? Because I know Tom has some pretty strong views on uh, Honeyman, but is now the chance to just throw caution to the wind and say, right?" The, the lads we want to do, the job aren't doing it. So we're just going to give the youngins a chance. It's sink or swim. Tom, what do you reckon? Um, strong views on Honeyman. Look at that, mate. Drop, <laughs> drop me in it there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think he's very good. He's he's not young. He's, uh, what, 22, 23? He's not, he's not, like, 18 years old. This is a, And he's out of contract at the end of the year. He won't, like, past this season, he won't be playing for Sunderland anymore. It'd be... Um, He'll be down, down in the lower leagues. I mean, I'm sure he's a very nice lad and all that, but he's just not very good. And like you see, with the, um, the difference between him and Gooch, Gooch seems to have like much more about him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, you know you're getting relegated when you're saying chuck the kids in because there's no other point. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else is there. We've got Gooch in midfield, and there's like Madger and Azoro. But Azoro's like, 17 or like 18 and I don't I don't really know I mean choking the kids in this point but it's just like throwing in the towel then it just seems like you've got no other option I mean like what what when what when we chuck what more in that was only because Dick Advocat had to yeah it was more making a point to the uh the owner saying this is all I've got left yeah and I remember when when we were under Bruce and we had a I think we played Wolves or Fulham and we had a we had a bench that was just full of like Bash Street kids like <laughs> Billy Billy Knotts, Ryan Noble. When they come on, the shirts looked a bit too big for him, and they were all I mean, unfortunately they were just terrible. So it's yeah, you took the kids in, but it could get worse. We could just get panned off teams instead of getting mildly beat. Hmm. Mm, now you know, 
see the thing with, with Honeyman, he's not and never has been a central midfielder, even when he was playing with the youth. So I'm not sure why he's now being looked at as one in the Premier League. You know, it's even though he's only coming on towards the end of games there, and obviously he played the full match against uh, Burnley in the cup. Um, he's never been a central midfielder. He, he was a number ten playing for the the younger team. You know what I mean? So it just seems a bit strange that he would be expected to be able to play there now. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't obviously Moy sees him every day and obviously see something maybe in him. Uh, but for me, if you're going to if you're going to put anybody in that position, it's probably got to be Lyndon Gooch. And I don't really know how fit he is. I know he's been back for you know a good few weeks now, and he's he's. You know, maybe not had enough game time, so he might not be ready to start, and maybe maybe he just doesn't think he's good enough to start. But when you're watching Seb Larson play the way like he is at the minute, yeah, you know, could he be any worse really in that position? At least he's got, he's got a, he's got a similar amount of energy. I'm not sure. I couldn't really attest for his quality because he hasn't really proven himself at this level as 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 yet. You know, Gucci when he really came to the team at the start of the season and played because he had to. But for me, you know. You've got to maybe give him the chance next. I kind of made this yeah. point through the week that he's, if anybody, got to be starting games soon. I mean, I don't know how far away Kirchhoff is, but he's probably not as close as we want him to be. I would imagine he's not going to be back for a couple of games yet. Um, and even then, what? how much is he going to play, you know? Mm-hmm. He probably only get half or an hour, you know? And then he probably needs a couple of reserve games. So I think, really, we've got to look at other options. I don't know how far away Rodwell is. If he's fit, he probably plays. But it's just, at the minute, I, well, not even just at the minute, I, I honestly think that a lot of our issues this season, in terms of consistency and achieving decent results and grinding out draws and you know adding goals in other areas of the pitch when, when Defoe's injured and things like that, I think a lot of it actually comes down to the fact that we never play the, our strongest or a, a, even a you know, a decent central midfield because it changes every week. We've got someone different injured every week. Um, you know, it, even at the start of the season, we had the likes of McNair in there with Gucci and Pienaar. Playing Pienaar in central midfield at his age when he's never played there before um, kind of shows you where we're at. Yeah, and like, across the and across the entire, to be honest, across the entire season, I honestly think that's where our problems have stemmed. If we'd have kept even Kirchhoff fit, this season, and then had the others rotate around him and Dong flitting off to the African Cup and and what have you, then it might have been, we might have got a few more positive results. I just think that we've had no real standout central midfielder, you know, hang my hat on, we've had no Katamo, we've had no Mvia, even though Mvia was only here a season, that first half of the season was the only player we had and it kind of helped, you know, and this think, season uh, and Dong's been asked oh. to do with too much, you know. Yeah. Do you think Kershaw's finished, Gav? I, I, I think he is. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think I honestly think that when he's back, it'll not be long before he's injured again because yeah. that's just the way it is. You know, the guy the guy was allowed to leave Bayern Munich for a small fee. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you you don't play for Bayern Munich if you're a bad footballer. Uh, generally, he's a, obviously a very good footballer, but his fitness issues are, are very worrying. He's he's obviously um, he's obviously not going to play. That long into his thirties, I don't think. I think he's. I think he's. He's going to be lucky to find a, a Premier League club after this if he doesn't stay fit. He really, really needs to hope that this end of the season goes well for him. Like it's an awkward situation as well because I think we're all well aware that his contract runs out at the end of this season. 
So he's a bit of a paradox in the sense that if he does well, great, somebody's going to come in and give him a better deal elsewhere. If he doesn't do well, do we actually want to keep him and hope that we can remedy the issue that's plagued him for the last two seasons? I, I think. It's a tricky I, one, isn't I, it? I think if he does play well towards the end of the season, I don't think anyone would come in for him because they're because um, they'll have seen the issues we've had with him. They're not going to come in and say it is sixty grand a week for yeah. three years. I think if he plays well to the end of the season, we'll probably give him another year, and he'll probably. If I was him, I'd be quite grateful of that. That because if he has a run of games, say about I don't know six eight games, and we said all right, well you prove that uh, no matter what division we're in. Here's here's another year just to show yeah. the, the faith we've had in you mm-hmm. for getting through this. I don't I don't think a, another team are come jumping in saying oh here is whatever. Um, yeah, I think I think he's either just going to leave or we're probably going to give him another contract. I would agree. So to sum up, uh, awful game. We didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a lot to be desired. That's a, it's it's a good point, okay? Because there's a there's a there was a really good debate in the Twitter section. Between a, a lad called Johnny R1 Red and uh, J5000 Watts, Johnny and Johnny, I assume, going at it back and forth. One's asking, is it time for Moyes to be shown the door? How long can we continue with this tactically inept man? We'll come to that question a little bit later on. But then somebody jumped in and said, you know, maybe he just needs to give the younger players a chance. Or would that, would that be seen as accepting relegation? And I think that's kind of the question we, we've teetered between all the way along. And it really is a tightrope situation in that. Is it genuinely giving a chance to someone like Lyndon Gooch? Or is it saying, we're absolutely crap, we might as well give him a chance and see if he can prove himself next season? So I think it's maybe it's a moot point and it's probably best that we move on. But ultimately, difficult decisions facing the club, especially on the back of such a poor performance. Gav, though, you mentioned about Defoe's volley hitting the crossbar. Um, in seasons past, mm. that might have been a talking point, as in a referee might have given it, uh, potentially. However, we have seen video technology in the Prem this season. But today there was some interesting video technology perhaps missing or perhaps um, required in the Southampton game in the Cup final. Do you want to uh, elaborate on that point a little bit? I, it, it pisses off watching it. Like, and I'm not, I'm not in any way you know, favourable towards Southampton. I just don't like seeing... Um, I don't like seeing a game decided on a misjudgment of of a linesman or an official. I just think that, although it was very early on in the game and a lot a lot of football was played after it, obviously, um, that was a legitimate goal chalked off because the linesman uh, flagged for, for Bertrand, maybe thought Bertrand was the one who scored. Um, all in all, though, it kind of put, Southampton back, they went 2-0 down and ultimately they lost the game the point being that goal line technology has been fantastic for this for this sport for me it's it's removed something which it's removed something which was all, it was a constant talking point, it would seem to be every other week that we were talking about a goal that should have been given that went over the line, they found a way to, to remedy it and it's been fantastic for football in my eyes and then you watch the cup final today and there's no there's, there should be a there should be a fifth official who can at least relay back to the referee when the ball's out of play like it was that that was a goal and then it's game on and that 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 shouldn't just be obviously the cups that should be you know every every step of football if possible but at least the Premier League you know yeah. it's not it's not difficult I, I, is it I think um, like the the problem with with football is obviously there's there's grey areas in a lot of ways with um, 
you know, someone can watch a replay five times of, of an offside and sometimes say, oh, well, we're not sure, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, you, you can literally have two people watching the same video and disagree. Same with, like, tackling, two-footed tackles, fair tackles. Did he mean the elbow? Did he not mean the elbow? So these are things where if you, if you introduce technology um, for everything or for, for a lot of things, then you kind of spoil the debate that circulates around the game. That's that's so good. Like after after the game, you can all have this massive discussion about what's an accept, like an interpretation of a rule, what's acceptable in football, and but with with something like that, where um, it's clear as day if you watch a replay that he's onside. Hmm. Um, I think I think you can have. I don't see why they don't do the kind of tennis system where you maybe have th- two challenges or three challenges or something like that. And if you run them out, you run them out. It's your own fault. But if you can challenge and you can say, right, I want to send that to a video ref, if it's inconclusive, inconclusive and the referee's decision on the pitch stands, if it's conclusive, then you've used one of your challenges and you get the right decision. And then you don't have constant challenges for absolutely everything all the time. You know, I don't see why they can't do that, but it took so long to get video technology in for, like, goal line technology. And even some, well, some parts, some major parts of football haven't even introduced it yet. So... Football is is very it's very much a gradual fight to kind of get common sense introduced <laughs> at the at the highest levels of the game and and this will be no different this will this will rumble on for years to come I'm well, sure. Talking about technology, <clears throat> the finalists well one of the finalists today Southampton have a really interesting sort of tidbit with technology and I actually think this this links nicely into another question for Callum because I know he has also quite strong views on this. Um, Southampton today, they've sold £185 million worth of players across the last three seasons. They've lost two very, very good managers in Pochettino and uh, Koeman. And yet still, they seem to better themselves year after year. You could argue this year with Puel. I mean, they're in 12th or 13th after results this weekend without their own game in the league. Uh, But they made it to a cup final. And they're not going to be scrapping around the relegation zone. It's going to be another season where they've got some kind of success going forward. They had a taste of Europe. I'm sure they'll want to be back there. And I actually read an article recently on BBC saying that Les Reid, who's their executive director, he's really big into this idea of Moneyball. And he has developed a system, like a black box system, that basically he can find targets for players who leave. So, for example, uh, they sold Wanyama in the summer. Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg from uh, Bayern Munich was one of the names that was touted around. He's come in. Jordi Classy along that same kind of vein. They just seem to be able to bring in players uh, for, for reasonable sums and sell them on late with a profit. So one of the questions we had was from another fellow called Callum on Twitter called Callum Edward Five. Uh, he said, I disagree with people uh, wanting Moyes out as it's inevitable we're going to go down. Are we just better off sticking and rebuilding? Callum, coming in on that, Southampton seem to be able to do it. With losing managers, uh, do Sunderland lose a manager? Do Sunderland stick with a manager? How do we rebuild? Thoughts? Um, I think that... Um this is not the manager that we rebuild with. I've, I've thought that for a while. I think from, from the moment he, he came in and started bringing in the kind of people, the kind of players that he said he wanted to bring in, um, you know, young British, you know, people he knew, um, and, and stuff like that. And I just think it's a kind of archaic way to do scouting. And like you said, with Southampton, with, with this Gabbiadini, who's obviously been a massive success there so far. 
Um, they watched him, I think, upwards of 50 times before they signed him. And uh, so they've clearly been watching him past, you know, when when Koeman was there and now, obviously, uh, Claude Puel's signed him. Um, and I think they've gone and they've got a manager who's willing to work within a system that is clearly working well for them. I think in January we signed, obviously, three players, Kone, £5 million, and then six months later we're getting bids of twenty, twenty-five million pounds for him. Um I, given the history that we have with transfers, particularly with domestic transfers, um, people like Danny Graham, Jack Rodwell, um, you know, even back to sort of the likes of Michael Chopra, um and, and people like that. Um I, I don't understand why the club would stumble on something like what happened in January where we signed three continental players and then one of them six months later is worth four or five times as much and then we say well actually we want a new manager who wants to work in a completely different way so we'll scrap that and we'll go with a system that got us into the financial mess that we were in originally which was buying Premier League based players Premier League experience and I, I, I hate the, the, the people who say you need Premier League experience either as a manager or a player to be a success in the Premier League first of all how do you get experience in the Premier League? You, you, you always have to have your first game. You always have to have that first step <clears throat> to that person to take, to take a chance on you. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we see players come in all the time who are instant successes. And even if they're not instant, after a couple of months, they'll, they'll start to find their feet. I don't... I, I, it, it really does baffle me how people, first of all, cannot, can, can be kind of okay with this plan of David Moyes because... It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to me to be based in reality. It seems to me to be based in 1995, um, and and it's not 1995 anymore. It's you know it's a different league. It's a different transfer market. Um, you're going to have to pay through the nose for players in the Premier League anyway, and we're broke. That's why we can only afford mm-hmm. the cast-offs of some other clubs. And even if we can't afford much, we would still go and buy people who he knows instead of going and buying players who we might not know but are better than them. And this is what I, I there's this kind of um, protection around David Moyes as though he cannot as though no other manager would have done it any other way and that no other manager could be expected to do any better than he's doing now. And I think there are several managers who are younger, who would see Sunderland as a step up instead of a step down, who have worked in the in recent years or, or, or currently working in tightly controlled financial uh, restrictions and who would who would look at Sunderland and go now there's a project that I want to do because it'll help me get to the next stage of my career David Moyes is on his way back down the hill he's not on his way up and that for me is is every time I look at him I think you don't want to be here you want to be at Man United or you know a, a big club and you think you've earned that right and you're still bitter about it and now look at your bottom of the table working on a shoestring and you're bitter about it and and he and for me he just looks devoid of ideas. So I, if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'd be quite happy to be wrong. But um, I I don't. I think people are more in hope than uh, than anything else that this will work out all right, and that he's got any idea about what he's doing. But from what I've seen on the pitch, and and he's had plenty of time to get them organised, let alone bring in the players he wants. This, like I said, the personnel of this team is not irredeemable. They're not beyond organization and we've seen so much disorganization so much capitulation and he's had such a significant amount of time that i just think 
how 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 much longer are we gonna are we gonna act like this has absolutely nothing to do with him? So quick that's question, my question. Quick question for you, Colin. Then <clears throat> you're saying there's several managers out there who younger would see it as a step up. I mean, Sean Dyche in the summer. Uh, sorry, not the summer. Um, before we we went in for Allardyce was a name on everybody's lips. It almost seemed uh, a good deal, and even the summer before. But yeah. do you have a name who you could throw into the ring who you think might be a great uh, option? I. I, I wrote a piece for the site in the summer saying that David Moyes would I would set his CV aside and 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 call Sean Dyche, um, and and I think even though Burnley are doing well, I think we've got you know we've got a bit more infrastructure. We might be able to tempt him away. I mean, you never know. I'd like to see us be a bit ambitious and say, well, there's a manager on the up. Let's go and get him while he's he's got a bit of momentum behind him and 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 he's proven himself. In a, in a job, in, a, in, a, in building a squad, building a club. Um, so I would like to see us do that. I don't know whether he'd do it. So if not him, if we're, if, if we're insistent on free agents, Gary Rowett from Birmingham, I think did a fantastic job there. It wouldn't be beautiful football. Um, but again, he worked wonders there on a limited budget. Um, and, he, and the players are determined to give everything that they have for him. Even people like... Um, like you know, someone like Chris Hutton. Um, I know he's former Newcastle, but he's done an amazing job at Brighton. Um, you know, these managers are all hungry, looking to prove themselves, looking to get their chance at the at, at the Premier League. Obviously, Chris Hutton might be there um, in in a couple of months' time. But this this myth that David Moyes is the only guy around, he's the only guy who a would want this job and b would would be able to do this job is just it's just clearly. Not true. I don't understand why people would argue that. Great point, mate. Actually, I was hoping you would say Rowett. <laughs> I was rolling, <laughs> rolling the dice that you were going to come in with Rowett. <laughs> um, Callum touched on a really interesting point, Gav, just about uh, this like overhanging dark cloud that at no time soon is going to go away is, is like the financial predicament we find ourselves in. We owe hundreds of millions of pounds, not only to Ella Shaw, we also owe a real significant sum to um, some some real obscure bank called like Security Bank and Limited or something, charge us an absolute fortune in interest every year. Uh, is there any kind of fix, do you think, Av, with that hanging over our heads? Not really. It's inevitable that something is going to come to head, isn't it? You know, obviously this, this whole um, staff redundancy situation at the club is brought the topic up again amongst the fans about the financial situation at the club and people are people are obviously worried about what this means going forward not just about the football side of things and you know this season in the premier league uh, obviously obviously primary concern is that we need to stay up everybody knows that but in terms of what happens off the pitch to the club financially we are obviously headed somewhere very very dark providing we don't do something about it. Um, and obviously, that's why Martin Bain's here. He's here to change things. So whether he can do that is another thing. I personally feel that these cost-cutting measures that we're seeing uh, seemingly weekly now are obviously being done because this club is being actively touted around to potential buyers and it's a lot easier to sell a football club when the books are in order and that's kind of what Bain's job is. We've had that spelled out to us on numerous occasions. So for me, we we have a real tough, tough couple of months coming up, uh, a lot of which is going to depend on the future of the club 
long term because if we're a Premier League club we're a better sale um, someone else to a to a foreign owner for instance they are much going to prefer to buy Sunderland as a, as a Premier League club as opposed to a Championship club when you see the money that some of the Championship clubs have been sold for and then you compare it to how much it would cost to take us off other short hands when you're talking about the debt that he has owed to him essentially by the club and your owner would probably have to take that on um, then it's going to be tough if we're in the Championship let's be honest I do feel though that that this football club um, has so much potential. We all know it. We've got we've got a fantastic fan base. I don't have to tell anybody this, but we do. We've got a great travelling support. We've got a fantastic stadium, a state of the art academy. You know, everything is here to make this club a success. Obviously, it hasn't worked with this owner. Um, if somebody with ambition who wants to really make a go of this, I think could do great things. Yeah, I think Ella Short's ambition is long gone. Uh, that we're kind of seeing that now, the, the the lack of willingness to spend, for instance, is is obviously affecting us deeply. Um, and I know obviously we're owed, we're owed a, a lot of debt to to the owner, and he can only spend so much now. But a, a new owner with with a fresh outlook and want somebody who wants to make this club better than it is uh, has to be the priority coming out of this out of this summer. I, I, t- I totally agree. I think uh, if you look at Ella Short basically as um, someone who's come into this club and, and tried, I, I genuinely think he's tried to make it a success. However, it's come to the point now where whatever he's done quite simply hasn't been enough. Mismanaged on all levels, ridiculous turnover in staff, uh, both playing staff and backroom staff. Um, you could argue he's put money into the club. But he also wasn't able to install people who were capable of actually taking that money, using it, and progressing the club. So it, I'm obviously of the opinion that uh, he, he has to go. But the question I really have for Tom now um, is, will it be doom and gloom if we go down? Is there any... I mean, I don't want to sound like it's a foregone conclusion, but... It's something we have to consider. So, Tom, is there anything at all we can take away from going down that might uh, bring a, a wry smile to our face? It is a foregone conclusion, by the way. <laughs> we are going down. Um, but, no, no, it's not all doom and gloom because the championship is perversely quite good. <laughs> you know, we get to go to all these, uh, you know, post-industrial towns like, I don't know, Black- <laughs> we might go Blackburn again, you know. <laughs> I've only been to Blackburn when it's been sideways rain. Although I saw us win there once. And then we get to go to places like... I mean, I've never been to Ipswich. Have you been to Ipswich? I've never been to Ipswich. And that's another one to tick off. See that uh, Bobby Robson statue? Uh, there's a few good pubs in Ipswich. Uh, what else is there? Burton's got a Carlin Brewery. So I'm sore of that. <laughs> Hopefully. And they've got ter- it's Terrace in it. Uh, terrace in at Burton. So there's that. And uh, we might get slapped off teams like, I don't know why Huddersfield mint all of a sudden. Um, essentially, as a, as a fan, I'm sick of the Premier League. I'm sick of it. I'm bored of it. It's it's all well and good if you like Southampton or bloody West Brom, who also mint now. But we we don't do anything. We don't do anything. We have this. We don't have a derby anymore, unless you count Middlesbrough. We don't have a derby anymore, so there's no, like... There's no joy in beating Newcastle. And all we do is just turn over the same rubbish season every year. I was having a conversation at work the other day with like um, Man United fans and Tottenham fans. 
and they were saying, oh, we've only we've won like nine games in a row. So all right, well, we only win eight games a season. So like, what, <laughs> what's what, what's the point of that? We're just we're just bottom. We're hated by everyone in the Premier League. We're hated by everyone on TV. <laughs> and when when it's like Sun- oh Sunderland are on the telly, it's like, oh great, yeah great. As for me, it'd be quite a refreshing change of going down. I'd like to see. So I'd like to see us win football matches. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's it against, but that's the that's the joy of football. I don't have any joy of football. This the, in the Premier League doesn't give me any joy. I mean, yeah, it's nice to be in it, but when you're getting slapped every week by Stoke and Southampton, <laughs> we're just cannon we're cannon fodder for these teams. Like even Burnley. So yeah, it's not all doom and gloom because maybe next year, whatever division we're in, probably the Championship. Maybe we might win a few games. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. it's such a bizarre situation because I see it all the time, you know. And we we throw the questions out and we get a great response. And it seems to be such a splitting opinion. And I think you can kind of boil these two opinions down into to two basic camps. Number one, it financially shags us basically, and we're absolutely screwed. And it's going to take us a while to actually recover to actually become a force that could get into the Premiership again and actually make a good go of it, which I do get. And then, on the other hand, the, the other part of my brain and my heart also agrees with what Tom says. I don't really care about the Premiership. I would just love it if we could win something like half of our games. If that, you know, not even that. But if we could put more than five... If we could put more than five wins together in the space of... A ridiculously low sum of games, in all honesty. You know, if we if we go above a a twenty four percent win ratio, whatever we're on, I think I would I would love that. I really do. And like you say, it's always a great a great day out down to uh, the likes of Ipswich and Burton and Rotherham and everywhere in between. It'd be a, it'd be a, a canny lads. Day we can out. mug off. We can mug off some championship team just giving it big and going to places. Remember, like going to places like Colchester, just giving it big and just like yeah. We're mint, lads. We're mint. <laughs> do one. Do one. We'll smash it 2-0. <laughs> I appreciate that it'll be better down in the championship, like, but if I'm... I take it back to a serious note, like, I just don't want to be there. I don't want to be a championship club. I oh, think come this on, Gav. Burton nah, away, mate. No thanks. Come on. Burton. Nah, no thanks. It's going to make my job an absolute nightmare <laughs> running this frigging site. You know what I mean? <laughs> streams, <laughs> trying to cover games. Try, exactly. <laughs> trying to get lads to cover games when they're not there and stuff. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. But yeah. I just... Uh, I think it's inevitable. Like, I, I do think that there's one, you can only do what we've done for so long and then it comes to a head, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. Although Sunderland seem to pull the rabbit out the hat year on year... Uh, you know, you can't do that all the time. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you, and we're going to get relegated. And really, this season is we're, we're kind of p- pinning my hopes on uh, Kirchhoff coming back and being the player he was last season, and mm-hmm. Catamol having some sort of meaningful impact in the running when he's back. And we're kind of pinning my hopes on Defoe not getting injured. <clears throat> we're pinning our hopes on and Dong continuing to improve. We're pinning our hopes on Gillibodji coming back and not being a total catastrophe every time he steps on the pitch <laughs> you know we've got so many things going against us this year that it just feels like this is our year to drop and I know people will be listening to this now and we'll get comments from people saying that we've been a bit negative or I know you've tried I, I that positive. well I, I know you haven't <laughs> but there'll be people listening to me thinking I'm being negative but at the same time I just think that we're kind of have to prime ourselves for what's coming I'm not saying the players have to because obviously that's just unacceptable. We, we watch them every week, and 
if their levels drop, we know it straight away and we'll jump all over it. So for us to sit here and say, ah, it's all right, get relegated. Yeah. Um, we, we can't give up either as fans. We've got to at least hold out some hope that David Moyes isn't a total dud and the players that he's brought in are actually going to do something for us. And I think <sighs> when you, I, I seen a table, I don't know what it stands at now, but I've seen a points table before the game on Saturday. It was the the total points this season after 25 games in comparison to the total points last season after 25 games. And before Saturday, we were actually a point worse off than we were at this point last year, which was, when I seen it, I was completely shocked because I thought, hold on, you know, first 10 games, we've we've not picked up a win. Uh, And then from then on, it just seems to have been even worse. I think we've lost 17 games this season, 18 games. So yeah, I mean, for us to I, even be a point worse off now than we were last year just seems a complete miracle to me. I mean, the the Premier League is is not that people say it's the best league in the world. It's the most I think it's the most entertaining league in the world, but mainly because teams are so inconsistent mm-hmm. that and so defensively shoddy that that you get quite a lot of goals and a lot of chances. It's not. I mean, if you watch like Italian football, it's a lot more uh, organised, a lot more you know regimented. Um, and it shows in the Premier League table because we're only three points from safety. Yeah. I mean, that's that that is absolutely mad considering how terrible we are that we're only three points from safety. It's like twelve games left, and we've got nineteen points, and we and we're still thinking, hang on, maybe we could stay up here. It is, uh, and it's, it, 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 sorry, and that's and like I think this season you could see the in the Premier someone stay in the Premier League on less than 35 points 32 33 points might be enough to keep you up just but because of how st- terrible the bottom seven teams are yeah. haven't we stayed up on less before oh we stayed up on less than 40 lows i think it's like 35 36 and stuff yeah. but but i, I mean this right, this season it could be could be I, I think it could be 32 33 points and you and on goal difference you could stay up yeah it's that bad down there that's well, literally mental it is and this leads us nicely into the point that uh if you watch the NBCSN documentary, um, the, the the local priest who was talking about what it meant to be, I think it's Father Mark Linden Smith, um, he was talking about what it meant to be a Sunderland fan and the fact that we always wait till Easter and the reincarnation of Jesus reflects Sunderland. Whether you're into that, I don't know, uh, up to you basically. But it's, it's interesting that normally we tend to turn our season around on its head against a big team. And we've got City next next uh, weekend. Uh, we're at home to them. We've seen some memorable games. I remember Mancini saying he wishes he just didn't have to come to, to Sunderland to play that game. We, there was a, a span of time that we went on about <laughs> an incredible run whereby we beat City. And I just want to know to the lads, is this the, the game that potentially spins our season? We've enjoyed ourselves against City in the past. Uh, Tom, what do you think, mate? Is this going to be the game that reinvigorates us? No, of course not. <laughs> God, they're one of the best teams in in Europe. Of course not. Um, when you were saying about that, the NBC documentary, um, I watched. I watched that, and it was as someone who's not from Sunderland. I just it just epitomised everything I love about Sunderland, like the area, the the seafront, and yeah, the, the priest went on a bit. He got a bit went on to a lot of tangents about uh, religion and football and all that. But that that documentary made me think that's why, how much I love Sunderland, no matter how rubbish we are and no matter how far I have to travel just to go to a home game. It's just, that's why I like going to it. Uh, but going back to 
the match next week. Yeah, don't 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 bother. Gonna, we're going to get hammered, <laughs> and everyone's going to see it um, on Sky Sports. So that'd be quite nice. Uh, we've had a few good results against City, but the past two times we've come to the stadium alive, they've absolutely smashed us. Um, so yeah, I don't hold, yeah. don't hold that any hope. Wait, I'm so. just lads. I'm just going to go and find the nearest bridge and uh, chuck myself off because. Uh... Hey, hey, I did something quite nice there about Sunderland, how much I loved it. Go on, Callum, mate. Tell, give us, give us a ray of hope somewhere, will you? Um, maybe they'll rest players. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I mean, even if they rest players, let's be honest, they're still going to bring in like, like internationals who. You know, are amazing, but mm. I mean, again, they've been they've been uh, hit and miss and 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 uh, at, at, at times this season. But like like Tom said, I mean, there are there are they are a cut above, and 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 we'll just I think the best we can hope for is a is a nil nil and just like keep them at bay and and like the Tottenham game maybe give ourselves a little bit of a boost I mean this season we we tend to do decent performances against big teams we tend to sort of enjoy being under the cosh rather than having to come out and actually play and beat a team around us um you know I, I mean we obviously we've beaten the likes of Hull and that at home but um I think we do tend to we do tend to look a bit more organized a bit more of a decent unit against the bigger teams, so who knows? Maybe we'll have a, a a decent solid performance and and keep them at bay. But the likelihood of us getting a chance, you know, is 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 quite low. But you never know. John Stones might might do one of his customary uh, Cruyff turns on the edge of his own box or something like that, and, and give Defoe a little bit of a sight of goal. So you never know. I mean, it's football, Sunderland, so. Yeah, yeah, we'll just have to have to wait and see. But Sunderland like Tom really, said, I wouldn't hold your breath. Sunderland do epitomise that uh, old cliche of uh, football's a funny old game. Uh, I'm actually going to go for a 2-1 defeat uh, next week, and I want to hear what the lads have to say in a second. But I'm going to say 2-1 defeat, but the performance will be good enough to drive us on to better things in the future. Uh, Walshy, what do you think, mate? What's, what's the score going to be? You just predicted the worst outcome it, like ever. It's like that two-one defeat. But yeah, we played really well. It's, yeah, it's yeah, done yeah, us well in really the past. Well. It's done us well in the past. Jillabodgy, uh, um, high five, and everyone. Yeah, yeah, good one. Two 0 down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one goal back would be a confidence booster. <laughs> um, I think it'll be uh, probably two 0 again, like you said. You know, a bit of graft and all that, but we still get beat. So. Or the worst, the worst would be if we play really well, then get suckered in the last minute, right. which would be proper Sunderland. Yeah, it would be. Callum, what do you think, mate? Uh, I, I think it'll probably be, uh, I'd say probably 3-0. Sunderland? I'll probably say 3-0 three, three City. 3-0 <laughs> City, definitely. Oh, all right, okay. yeah. Gav, what do you think, mate? I'm with Callum, like, I think we're going to get tortured. <laughs> I just think, I just, Aguero against us is just going to have a field day like he always seems to have, and I don't know. I'm not I'm not hopeful. What I want to see is, if we're going to get beat, I mean, nobody likes getting beat, but when we lost to City last season, on the, the, the game after the January transfer window, and we got beat 1-0, but we were all up a height because Coney looked fantastic, and he, and he sent, Toure chewing grass, didn't he? And then we had right. Kirchhoff strolling around, putting in the best performance of a midfielder that we'd seen all season. And then, you know, 
Kazri looking <clears throat> an outlook and his corners were dangerous and we had a lot of hope after that game even though we'd lost we felt like we deserved something more from Aye. it if we can give that kind of performance where we don't get trolleyed but we actually we actually show like, like I said at the top of the show I said that I don't I don't like getting beat but if we're going to get beat off these big teams we have to compete we have to show that we're up for a fight at least Aye. like Burnley do every week we have to do that now and if we don't start showing it, you know, writing's on the wall and we're, we're bottom of the league, we need points. It doesn't matter who we play, whether City are on the best team in Europe or not. Um, it's a cliche, but every game has to be a cup final That's from true. now until the end of the season. And this this is number one for me. I think I think you get a good result out of this or a positive performance and it could really it could really swing around the optimism from in the, within the fan base because I think like most people have kind of resigned to the fact that we're going down and we need something to change that mm-hmm. have we got a massive gap we've got a massive gap after this game as well don't we because that Middlesbrough game got cancelled oh, really. yes Very true. So we've, got, yes. we've got another two week gap so it's like two we could go to New York again <laughs> off to New York lads <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll New York <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got Man City at home then we've got a two week gap well it's not even quite a two week gap because Man City's on I think it's on is it on Sundays or on Monday. Yeah. It's been moved, hasn't it? So the Burn. Then we've got Burnley on the 18th of March at home. Then we're away to Watford, and then we've got Leicester away too. So really, after the City game, you've got three games there. You want to be targeting points oh, and all of them. Um, so it, it it kind of reinforces the point I've made yeah. that a massive performance, regardless of result, really sets us up for it, for that run because Burnley at home. Although they're doing well, they're not a good away team. I wasn't impressed with them at the Stadium of Light in the Cup, although they mm-hmm. took us back to their place. I wasn't impressed at all. So, you know, we're trying to be optimistic. There are games where, you know, against teams around us, Burnley, Leicester, Watford to an extent aren't a great side. We've still got Bournemouth at home. We're away at a hull towards the end of the season and we've got Swansea who may well be safe by the time we play them. So, you know... There are games there where we have to look and go, we really need to win that game. We really need to win that game. I think the Man City game is more of a, can we perform? Can we show that we've got the bottle in the fight to, to get through this? Because, you know, it, like, like I've already said, we have a we have a canny run of games after this, which which could really, well, well define our season because if we don't take at least two wins from those three, you, you kind of, you, you know, we're down by that point in my eyes. Agreed, totally agreed, mate. I think uh, cathartic either way after this weekend coming up. I also think if it's if it's a big enough drubbing, serious questions are going to fall on Moyes. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see something happen um, with regards to his position. Maybe he gets the dreaded vote of confidence if it's if it's significantly bad uh, against City this weekend. But um, we can only hold out in hope, as the lads have quite nicely put across that has been episode 23 ladies and gents i hope you've enjoyed the the banter between the lads uh please come back next week after we uh either rock up drunk and hour the moon that we've stuck one over man city again or we come crying once more handkerchiefs in hands either way we hope to see you there this is the rocker report signing off A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.